The following is a North Carolina Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. The three values that we have at Church Planet NC is we want to build a tribe of people. A tribe of people, the people who get together, have a common vision, common idea of what they're going after, and a brotherhood. And I can't think of anything within the SBC and Church Planet in North Carolina and just North Carolina Baptists other than that brotherhood that we have together, that common vision that common mission to go and reach lost people. Amen? Yes. Amen? Yes. Not only that, we want to see a reproducing culture be built within North Carolina. Like that is the whole point of what we're talking about today. How can we birth? How can we create? How can we have a reproducing culture within our church, whether your church is 100 days old or 100 years old? How can we have a reproducing culture within our church to reach more people? And then the last thing, which is restoration. How do we have a church that lives in a community that restores a community? We don't just have people who are saved and baptized, but those saved and baptized people are going and helping the local schools, the local police departments, local fire departments, all the places where the gospel can penetrate. So tribe, reproducing, and restoration. And so what we're talking about today is Hero Maker, the five essential practices for leaders to multiply Leaders. Now, I find it kind of strange. I want to go ahead and get this out. We all know that Jesus is the hero, okay? I don't wanna, we don't need to get in that theological conundrum, okay? Jesus is always the hero. So I'm not trying to say that anybody else but Jesus is the hero maker. But what happens a lot of times in our ministry is, is we become the heroes instead of helping make others within our ministry the heroes. And so Jesus said words like this. He said, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. This is the promise that he has given to us, and our God is a God who keeps his promises. So he's made this promise to us, and this promise says that he has given us the ability to do not only the things that he did, but even greater things. But I want to present a a little bit of a problem. A problem that we found is in our churches today, We have five different state of churches. We have declining church. We have plateau churches. We have growing churches. We have reproducing churches. And then we have multiplying churches. All of us want our churches to be here. Right? All of our churches want our churches to be here. But the the problem is that in 2016, Exponential with Lifeway Research found that 80% of our churches are here. 80% of the churches are either declining and plateauing. 16% of the churches are here, growing. And only 4% of the churches that we have here in North Carolina, here in the United States of America, are actually reproducing. But we don't have any percentage of a multiplying church in North America. That doesn't mean that there's not a multiplying church in North Carolina or North America. It just means that there's no percentage amount of reproducing churches in North America. So that was three years ago. Now, in 2019, we've seen that number go up. It's changing. Not 80% are are declining and plateaued, only 70%. Now, that's still an unacceptable number. But something's happening. Something's happening. And what we believe is happening is we begin to talk about this reproducing language. And so I'm so pumped that you guys are here because that means you care about reproducing. You want to see God do something in your church, and it starts by doing this. Let's talk about it. 
Let's talk about reproducing. Let's talk about how God's reproducing small groups in our churches. Let's talk about how God's reproducing new believers in our churches. Let's begin by beginning the conversation. And not only that, but 4% went to 7% of reproducing churches. And what they found at Exponential and Lifeway Research, if, if we can get that number to 10, if we can get that number to 10, then something can happen. We can begin to see multiplying churches in North America. And we have an opportunity to do something about it in this room today. And it starts with this idea of what is a hero maker? What's a hero maker? It's asking the question, am I trying to be the hero or am I trying to make heroes of other people? Am I trying to be the hero or am I trying to make the hero out of other people? I want you to ask yourself that question. Man, I, can I just be honest? In my first years of ministry, it was all about me. It was all about me. I wanted to be the hero. And I, I still struggle with this. I still wrestle with all, this all the time. But I'm learning how to put my flesh on the back burner. And how do I exalt the people who God is sending me so that they can walk in their calling, walk in their passion? And when I do that, and when you do that, and when we do that, what we're helping is people to become heroes. So five practices that we want to talk about today. Number one, multiplication thinking. Number two, permission giving. Number three, disciple multiplying. Number four, gift activating. And number five, kingdom building. So first things first, multiplication thinking. Here's what I want you to do. Take your finger, go like this. Point to your head. Okay, nobody shoot, right? Point to your head. If we're going to start thinking about multiplication, it means that we have to change the way that we think. Change from it being all about me to all about the people that I serve. So let's start by changing the way that we think. Have anybody ever heard the saying that good is the enemy of great? Let me, let me present to you a good thing. A good thing says, I think ministry happens through my own leadership. That's a good thing. Ministry should be happening through your leadership. But what's the great thing? What's the hero maker thing? The hero maker thing is, I think ministry happens through when I multiply leaders. So there's nothing wrong with saying that ministry happens when I do ministry and leadership happens through my, my, my ministry. But what's the great thing? The great thing is when you're imparting what God has given to you to others so that they can go do ministry as well. So I had a challenge to me one time. And we were at the Exponential Conference. And at the Exponential Conference, uh, we were given a napkin like this. And this is old. You guys can tell it. It's like a coffee stain on it. It's been in my office for at least five years. And the, the leader of Exponential said, I want you to take out this napkin. And I want you to draw your dream on this napkin. And so we asked her to draw this dream. So right here is, oh, sorry, it's upside down, Cabarrus County. And I drew five circles. And five circles, what I wanted to see is five different churches planted in my county because of my leadership or because of the leadership that God has entrusted me with. And then he said this. Now multiply that by 100. That's 100 counties. That's 500 churches. Is there any way in the world that I could do that by myself? Never in a million years. But if I impart what God has given to me into other people, can that happen then? So here's what I want to challenge you guys to do. 
I want you guys to have that same kind of God experience on your own. I'm going to ask Donnie to hand those out. Brother, would you, since you talked about the napkins, would you do that as well? I appreciate it. So as you get these napkins, what I'm asking you to do is I want you to take a few minutes. And what's the dream? What's the vision that God has given to you? And draw it. If you want to use a, a statement, if you want to use symbols, whatever means something to you, I want you to take just two or three minutes and draw that on this napkin. Do you need a pen, sir? What if God could do X through my ministry? What if God could do X through my ministry? I'm definitely going to challenge you guys to to take this home and do it as well. Can I tell you guys Jesus' dream? I think it's in this room. Acts 1.8 says that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Amen? We are a living impartation of God's dream here in North Carolina. And we have this unique opportunity, this unique expression, this gospel, to go into the context that God has given us and to express this glorious gospel. And sometimes, here's what I believe, because I've had life beat me down. I know I look young, but I've, I've gone through the fire in my young years. When life beats you down, there's one thing that you stop doing. You stop dreaming. And the reason why you, begin, you stop dreaming is because you've been hurt too many times, and it's because you dream you got hurt, because you tried to live out that dream, and Satan knocked you down. But guys, that's the one thing that we have that can fuel our fire deeper than anything on the planet Earth is the dream that God has imparted in within, within us. So please, 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 I'm begging you. Some, some of us may just kind of be challenged and throw this away. Don't throw this away. Take this home. If you've already written on it and you finished it, then put it somewhere of importance. If, if you haven't finished it, spend some time with the Lord before the end of the day and finish it. God, what are you asking me to do through my life? And then ask this question. Multiply it by 100. And that's not really a question. It's a statement. Multiply it by 100. Because the point is to do what God's calling us to do. We can't do it by ourselves, but we need other people around us. So here's the second thing I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take your finger. Put it up like this, like I got a question, and I want you to point to your eye, all right? So first thing we had to do is point to our head because we have to change the way that we think. But when we, when we start thinking differently, guess what we start doing? We start, what do you do with your eye? So if you think differently, then you see differently. And when you see differently, you begin to start being the enemy of the good. I'm sorry, man, I'm so excited, y'all, I apologize. What a hero says is, I see what God can do through my own leadership. But what a hero maker begins to see is, I see what God can do through the life of others. And I let them know what I see in them. Hey, guess what? The reason why you're in this room is because somebody looked at you one day and they said, I see something in you. Is that right? The reason why you be called to ministry is because somebody looked at you one day and they said, I see something in you. And guys, how many of you guys know this term, 
preacher boys. How many of you guys have ever heard that, that term? One or two of you. Guys, we've lost the art of preacher boys. What a preacher boy was is a pastor or a preacher saw something in another man and he looked at them or another woman and said, I see something in you. And guys, the younger generation, hear me, hear me, whether you're 20 in here or whether you're 65 in here or you're 75, hear me. What the younger generation is begging for is a somebody to look at them and say, I see something in you and then go like this. You ready? And this is scary. Here, kid, you drive. That's scary as an older leader, isn't it? Because guess what happens when you give the keys to a car to a kid who's never driven? They wreck that thing. And guess what? When that wreck happens, it costs you something. But it also shows that young person that you believe in them and that you're there for them and that when they screw up, that it's going to be okay. Guys, I look at younger people all the time and I say, I give you permission to fail. I give you permission to fail because I think young kids, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, even 40-year-olds, they're so scared to start because they're so scared to fail. And I want to bring my friend up, Quintel Hill, to tell his story about somebody who gave him permission to be in ministry. I see in you conversations are critical. Uh, I'm grateful for... uh, and it was probably 23 years ago, I walked in my pastor's office confused. Like, in a sense, didn't have peace about some stuff. And I just said something that something didn't right, something is missing. Uh, and my pastor shared, asked me this question. Have you ever considered ministry? I, I didn't even know what that meant. Uh What is that? (laughs) He saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. I'm 15, 16 years old. Didn't have a clue. Well, I knew when when he began to continue to have a conversation, that meant school. (laughs) And school was from the devil, you know. And I just want to ask you a question. What do you see right here? These items that I put up here. What do you see? You know, just you just you don't have to say it out loud, but what do you see? And the late Howard Hendricks made this statement that good Bible interpreters, they see what's in the text. Good preachers really aren't good preachers. It's those who can see what's in the text. And I'm going to say good leaders see something in someone else. You know, this is this is the idea that we want to say that if we're going to be a hero maker, we need to stop looking at ourselves in the mirror and we need to start seeing the talent around us. You know, I want to give an example of that. And my my church is 10 weeks old. Uh, We're green. We're new. But we're excited. (laughs) I got a kid, and he is literally a kid. He's 21 years old. His name's Cedric. He is a senior at Wingate University. He says, man, I, I really uh, I want to be a lawyer. <laughs> I want to be a lawyer. Well, let me just tell you something. I see some stuff in Cedric that he does not see in himself. Now, Cedric is a preacher's boy kid. 
I had a conversation with Cedric. Today, Cedric is leading our music at our church. I said, hey, bro, I just want to let you know God has given you a gift. And he's given you a gift to make much of him. You know, Cedric was like, man, I, 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 I'm struggling. You know, I, I, I want to do things for the Lord. I want to, you know, I, I want to be above reproach. And I say, yeah, absolutely. We, we want to be above reproach. Cedric had this mindset that because he committed a sin yesterday, he could worship God today. And I just wanted to let him know we're not going to abuse grace. We're going to walk in grace. But that's why you need to be on this stage, because you realize that you are inadequate and he is the one that's going to elevate himself through you. So I told you, I said, listen, I need guys like you that get it, that realize sin is serious. And we need to wean it out of our lives. Well, let me just tell you, Cedric has taken off and done some great things with our music. We're diverse in our music and Cedric has brought his roommate in. His roommate is playing the keys for us. Cedric not only has brought his roommate in, but he's brought guys to bring that play the drums in. Cedric is a multiplier. Cedric doesn't know this. We hadn't had this hero conversation before uh, yet. I'm saying we hadn't had this yet, but Cedric is actually going to be the campus pastor at Wingate University. He think he's going to be a lawyer. But God got other plans. And by the way, I told Cedric this. I said, uh, so what's your plan, man, when you graduate in May? He says, you know, I don't know, man. God is working with me. I said, I know he is. I know. I'm just going to continue to let him work with you. And I just want to say this. I see in you conversation changes the atmosphere. Good leaders see Good leaders see, good Bible preachers see what's in the text. Good Bible interpreters see. Let me ask you a question. How well do you see those in your leadership? Stop looking at yourself in the mirror and look at what God has put around you so that he can truly be the hero maker. Thank you. Good job. Here's the challenge. I want you to turn your napkin over. Thank you, brother. Turn your napkin over, and I want you to ask you, who's my Cedric? Who can you go back to your place tomorrow, this week, this month, but no later than this month? Who can you have the conversation and say, I see in you X, Y, Z? So turn over your napkin and write that person down. If you have two or three, amen. But who can you write down? I want to see in you this. Who is your Cedric? The next thing we're going to talk about is disciple multiplying. Disciple. What's going on here? Anybody know what's going on, Trent? So he's going to work on that, but it's disciple multiplying. And what disciple multiplying says is the good is, is I share what I know to add more followers. I share what I know to add more followers. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
We do that all the time. We are constantly sharing what we know to help people follow Jesus. There is nothing wrong with that. But hero makers say, I share what I've learned in ways to multiply disciples. And that's what we want to do. That's what we ultimately want to be about is multiplying disciples. Is that good? Yes. So I share what I know to add more followers. I share what I've learned in ways to multiply disciples. So we put our finger right here, right? Change the way we think. Then we put our fingers right here, change the way we see. And now we put our hands on our heart to change what we share. So change the way that I think. I'm sorry, right here. (laughs) Change the way that I think. Change the way that I see. Let me put a dream on a napkin. Let me have an I see in you conversation. And then let's change the way that we feel about followers. Instead of just adding, but multiplying. Let me ask you a question. Where did Jesus spend most of his time? Behind a pulpit or with people? There's a word that, it, uh, that, that the New Testament uses called diatribo. That when Jesus secluded himself with his followers, that he diatriboed with them. He went to go spend time with them. The the word literally means to rub off on. My question to you is, who are you rubbing off on? Who are you taking intentional time to spend with them to show them what ministry looks like? To what it means to be a follower of Christ? And really what I'm talking about is apprenticeship. Blacksmiths used to have apprentices. If you were a good, if you were not a if you were a bad blacksmith, you did not have an apprentice. If you were a good blacksmith, you had an apprentice. Doctors have to go do internships. We as pastors need to have people beside us walking with us showing them what to do. And I have Donnie that I want to bring up Donnie Pascal from Vertical Church to share what they've learned when it comes to apprenticeship within their local context. Okay, so um, we started uh, back in 2011. Started with a team of about four pastors. And so we kind of, um, as they say, we planted pregnant. And, um, and so we, we, we knew right away when we were planning and thinking about what we were going to do. We didn't want to just be about our thing. We really did want to be kingdom-minded. Uh, but ministry took place. And so we launched out. Uh, we had enough on our team to kind of handle what we were doing and, and maybe even begin to divide out from there. But as we began to start other locations, we came across a real problem, and that was a lack of leadership. Our leadership pool was dwindling. And what we realized is we didn't have people in the pipeline to be able to, to support the different ministries and, and, and events. So our heart was to be kingdom-minded. But what do we count on Sundays? We count people in the seat. We count the amount of money we took up for offering. And lo and behold, if somebody makes a decision for salvation, we celebrate that and we we count that and we count baptisms. But how many times are we counting disciples? How many times are we counting apprentices? And so we we realized that, hey, we're focused on... Listen, it's not, not that those things aren't important because they are. But if that's all we focus on, then we're missing a, a, a key component 
uh, of what it is that we're supposed to be doing, and that is making disciples. And so we realized real quick that, man, we, we've got to change uh, the way that we think about things, right? Uh, not just uh, nickels and noses, but how are we multiplying? How are the apprentice relationships? And so one of the things that we've started to do is that we have challenged all of our leaders to, hey, you need an apprentice. You need somebody that you're pouring into. You need somebody that uh, you are not just doing ministry yourself and being the hero there, but you're, you're sharing that with. So now in our church, we have this, this conversation that's now gone from just thinking about people that are in the seats and, and how much money we're taking in. To th- we're thinking about how many, how many disciples are you making? So one of the things that we're challenging all of our location pastors with Hey, who are you pouring into? Uh, all of our leaders is, who are you pouring into? Who are you making a difference? So here's the beautiful thing how this happens. So um, back beginning of this year, uh, Mike Pittman became the, the church planting team leader for the Baptist State Convention. Well, he was our lead pastor. And I was the executive pastor. And so um, the church decided through the elders that I was going to step up and, and take the, the elder, the, the, the role as lead pastor. But then that left a, uh, left a vacancy. Right? The executive pastor, what are we going to do? Well, traditionally, what do we do? We'll, we'll put out uh, an advertisement or we'll, we'll go to seminaries and we'll say, hey, we have this, this opportunity and we, we bring in a guy that we don't even know that he has our DNA. We don't even know if we like him. Right? He might be theologically sound, but we might, might not even get, to, get along, right? Uh, for those of you who've served on staff, you understand this tension. And so uh, one of the things that, man, if we're doing this right and we're making disciples, we should be able to, to, to feed ourselves from within. I mean, we should be raising up people. So we had a guy on our, uh, that was coming to our church, uh, Tim, Tim Locklear. And Tim was a uh, medically retired uh, individual. He had had some health problems, and so he had to retire medically and was kind of on medical disability. But, but Tim sensed that God was doing something deeper in his life. And so he gets involved in our uh, apprenticeship program, in our pastoral uh, internship, where he's going through internship leadership training, and we're pouring into Tim. Uh, and, and we started this before we ever knew that we needed an executive pastor. We, we, did, we started this before we ever knew that Pastor Mike was going to go on and, and step into a kingdom opportunity. I mean, we could have been selfish at Vertical Church because Mike came to me and said, man... Uh, you know, they're looking at me as possibly being a team leader for the Baptist State Convention. So what do you think about that? How do you feel about me? Because we started this church together. I mean, we've been in this for a long time. And so I looked at Mike and I said, Mike, I mean, this is a kingdom thing. I mean, I could have been selfish in that moment and go, no, you can't leave us, man. I mean, you, we've been doing this. I mean, you can't, I mean, I want to hold on to you. You're my best friend. And, and, I, and we've been doing this together. And it's been our dream ever since to do this together, and so now you're going to leave me? I could have been selfish, but I was like, man, this is a kingdom opportunity. You can go and, and impact church planting in North Carolina, which when we started Vertical Church, we said, you know, we want to be a church that helps start other churches. And so this is a way that we're going to do that. And so he goes on, but, but that left a vacancy. Well, guess what? Tim Locklear, because he's in our apprenticeship program, because, he's, because we're thinking apprenticeship, we're thinking people that we can be pouring into now has an opportunity to step into this role. And he has stepped in as our executive pastor and has done a fantastic job. He has our DNA within him. He understands what we're about. Uh, and it's been somebody that's been raised up within, all because we are not just thinking about nickels and noses, but we're thinking about, hey, how are we making disciples? How are we apprentices? And we need to do this at all levels. Because if we're going to be a multiplying church, we better be multiplying within our ministries. We better be multiplying disciples. 
We better be taking those people who are getting baptized and teaching them, hey, you are a disciple maker. You have a right to, you have, you have a responsibility to multiply yourself and your sphere of influence. Because not everybody's going to grow up to be a church planner, right? We kind of hope that they would, right? That's the goal. Like, we need more church planners, but not everybody's going to do that. But they are going to be a, a, a witness in their workplace. They're going to be a disciple maker in their workplace. And so that's just one of the ways that uh, we've just changed our mindset in thinking about this, this disciple making process. Yeah. So you may be asking, like, where do I start? Where do I start? And I would start with the I see and you conversation. Who in your church, who'd you write down? Who can you have that conversation when you go back into your church this week? I see in you the ability to X, Y, Z. And then once you challenge them to say, I see in you, then I want you to walk through these five steps. Can't see it? I will say it extra amount of times. Yeah, I can do that. Everybody see? So it's I do, you watch. So think about this in a small group scenario. Hey, I'm going to lead the small group. You come, you just watch what I do. Try that for a few weeks. And then when you're watching, hey, let's talk. What would you see me do? What did you see me not do? What questions do you have? And then say, next week, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do it, but you're going to help. So this week, what I want you to do, I want you to take prayer request. I want you to lead the icebreaker. And then after, let's talk. How do you think you did? I thought you did great. X, Y, Z. And then the next time you say, you do, I help. So now I want you to lead the main study. And this is where they get squirmy. Like, oh, I don't know about that. But you got to push them outside their comfort zone. And when you push them out of their comfort zone and they get through it, they're like, oh, my gosh, I did it. That's right. You did it. And you walk with them for four or five weeks as they do that. And you keep talking to them. And then after that, you say, now you do it. I watch, so I'm not doing anything this time. I'm just, and you know how freeing that is? When you went from leading something to now you just get to show up. Can I tell you, can I get an amen? There is nothing in the world more freeing than when you can show up to an event, show up to a small group, and you don't have to do a thing except just enjoy. That's the most freeing thing on the planet. And then you talk. But guys, the key is in the debrief. You have to sit down after and say, how did it go? Where did you think you did well? Where did you think you might have fallen? And how can I help you next time? And then here's the kicker. So now let me make sure I get it right. Yeah. Multiplication, y'all. Okay, you ready? I'm going to blow your minds. You do. Now someone else watches. You've left. Now you do it and now... I grab Billy. Billy, now I want you to come help me. So it starts off with, I do, you watch, we talk. I do, you help, we talk. You do, I help, we talk. Now you do, I don't do a thing, I watch, we help. And now you do it, and somebody else is watching you. And guys, if you can do that two or three times, guess what happens? The pump's primed. The locomotive's rolling down the tracks. Culture is being formed, but it starts with one. So who did you write on your napkin? Who did you write? 
Like, I would say this, don't even, don't even like wait, like send them a text now or send them a text when you leave here and say, hey, when I get back, we need to talk and say dot, 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 nothing bad. Because in church, anytime we say let's talk, that's always the death, death sentence. So don't say it's good talk. I want to talk to you about something really, really good. So number four, gift activating. So we've, we've changed the way that we think. We've changed the way that we see. We changed the way that we feel. Now, gift activating is all about this idea of blessing. I want to bless you. So typically when we're worship, we're trying to receive something from God. Let's, how, do we, how do we do this? How do you guys do this? If you're like, you might, you might do this, you might do this, you might have like the hand lifted like this. Sometimes you might go full on. But typically like when we're in a posture of God, I want to receive something from you. I have my hands like this. But what we're talking about is when I'm laying my hands on someone else. And I'm taking the gift that God's given me, the mantle that God's given me. I say, hey, now I'm blessing you. I believe in you. I want to commission you. So this idea of gift activating is I ask God to bless the use of my own gifts. I ask God to bless my own gifts. But what a hero maker says is I'm asking God to bless the gifts of those that I'm sending out. So it begins with a God-sized dream. It begins with that napkin, y'all. When we begin to see people differently, we begin to give permission. We start to have I see in you conversations. I see in you the next campus pastor of Wingate. That's awesome, brother. I'm going to hold you to that, by the way. Then disciples are being made. We have an apprenticeship system being developed. And by the way, I want to say this. If we talk about the word apprenticeship and you're like, I have no idea what to do. The Church Planet NC team, NC team has put together step by step how to develop an apprenticeship system in your church down to the initial assessment so that you can give somebody here. Take this test. It'll say you're a level one, a level two or a level three. And based on your level, here's what you need to work on. If you're a level one, you'll work on this. If you're a level two, you'll work on this. This is for anybody in your church. Am I, am I speaking out of turn there? Uh, yeah, we've got the, the over there. Okay. So if you want one, come see me. If you want to know more about this book, come see me. We can talk about that. And then last but certainly not least, when leadership is affirmed, leadership is given. So I want to invite Billy Roy to come up here and share a little bit of a story, or a story, not a little bit. Tell us your whole story, sir, about how to bless, how to... Commission how to activate. Good. So, if you're paying attention here to what's been going on, you know there has to be a um, a mind change, right? And so our sight changes on what we do, and then as we have that I see and you conversation with other people and begin to uh, encourage them to do these things, and then there comes that part. Where, you know, just because we think it and then we see it and then we speak it with them and, and begin to do that, that's all good. And if we say, dude, I see all that in you, so this is what I think you can do, but I still do it all. I'm not a hero maker. I'm still trying to be the hero. It's until I activate you. And listen, as a church planner and as a pastor, I've been doing this not planning, but as a pastor for 25 years, as a church planner for the last couple of years, when, when I can activate somebody else, you know what that means? That's one job I'm not doing. 
When, when I understand that I don't have to do everything, that I can activate the gifts that God has given you. God has given everyone in this room a gift. You have some gift or some talent that can be used at your church, at your workplace, in the marketplace, wherever you are. You have a place that it can be used and, and to activate that gift, to tell you, you have my permission. I don't have to get up and do announcements every week. I got a student pastor. You stand in front. When we recognize somebody, I don't have to be the one who's, look at me. No, a hero steps back and he pushes others forward in our worship leading, in our discipleship, in our life groups. All these places, we activate people's gifts so that they can do that. And the more we activate, the more I step back. And I was told early in ministry, the more jobs you get away, then there'll be another one that comes to you. And every job that comes to me, my job is to give it away, to activate the gift that God has put in you to build His kingdom. And that's where we have to be when it comes to this activating the gift. We need to bless others to be able to do ministry. You know, I don't have to do it all. And it took a long time to learn that. I'm going to be honest with you. It took a long time to figure that out. I thought I had to do it all. But you know what? I don't. And what I realize is when I'm not activating the gifts of others, I am robbing them of ministry and the blessing that God wants to do in and through them. So when we think different, when we see different, when we begin to rub off on the people that we're trying to get, then that's not the end of it. Then give it to them. Activate them to do what God has called them to do. So one thing I want to point out about this whole gift activating, commissioning, this idea of giving blessings. You guys saw a video, and last night that video displayed that Donnie and Vertical Church laid their hands on Billy Roy and planted Crossroads Church. Then Billy brought me to his church, laid hands on me, and commissioned me to go out to play at Sojourner Church in Concord, North Carolina. And then Quintel did an apprenticeship with us. We laid hands on him and blessed him, and he went out to Monroe to plant a church. Now he's talking about Cedric. We're talking about we have another guy named Daniel. So we're building a culture of this. And you may say, well, I don't have anybody to plant a church today. I get that. But what about when you release new Sunday school teachers? When's the last time you brought up your Sunday school teachers and you commissioned them? You said you're teaching the word of God to every single saint in our church. And today we want to lay hands on you and we want to commission you to teach Sunday school to honor God. Guess what that happens? That builds excitement. That builds culture. When somebody is leaving your church to go start something different. If you lay hands on them and say, we're commissioning, we bless you. If somebody's starting a new ministry in your church, what if you do have a small group leader and it's just in that small group and that small group leader is taking over from the existing leader in that small group, you get together and we say, we're laying hands on this small group leader. So it's not just about church planners and pastors. We're talking about the everyday people in our church because guess what? They're the ones who have the gifts. The power's in the pews, right? The power's in the pews. I believe that. There's power in this pulpit. Don't get me wrong. I know that. I've seen it firsthand. You've all seen it firsthand. But there's greater power in the pew. When the people and their gifts are activated and we see it and we commission it, we give it away. When we have hands open instead of closed hands, something happens. 
We become hero makers. And again, I'm not talking about taking anything away from Jesus. Jesus will always be the hero maker. But I believe he wants us to be hero makers as well. The last thing I want to talk about is this idea of kingdom building. So let me just go through here. We talked about multiplication thinking, the way that we think, that dream napkin. Permission giving, changing the way that we see. Who can you have that I see in you conversation with? We talked about disciple multiplying, the five steps of apprenticeship. I do, you watch, we talk. I do, you help, we talk. But every single time we talk. Talk about gift activating. It's talking about instead of holding my hands like this, how do I hold my hands like this? How do I bless? How do I give away? And again, not just church planners and pastors, but everyday people in our church. And this last idea of kingdom building. And I want, I want, to, I want to help you to visualize it through this one statement. How do I grow my church? It's not a bad question. There's nothing wrong with that question. I just believe there's a better question. What if we change the word I to we? How do we grow our church? Instead of how do I grow my church, how do we grow our church? What if we started changing the word from grow to multiply? Instead of just growing our church, multiplying our church. And what if we take the word church and we replace it with kingdom? We go from the phrase, how do I grow my church, to how do we, grow, how do we multiply God's kingdom? And with that, I want to bring up Donnie Pascal one more time for Vertical Church and how they have seen, listen to this, listen to this, how they've seen their fruit, okay, their fruit grow on other people's trees. So, good question, right? Here's, here's something I want you to think about when, you, when you're thinking about kingdom building. So, I, in the previous statement, I was talking about how we measure things, right? So, we measure nickels and noses, baptisms. And then I've challenged you with this idea of, all right, I want you to think about how many apprentices you're, are you making? How many, how many disciples are you making? Well, you'll know that you are building kingdom when you can't measure that any longer. For example, like it should get so out of control that it's like, man, I can't even keep up track. So I poured into this guy and this guy is pouring into two guys and, and these two guys are now pouring into four guys each and, and those guys are... And, and it's like, I can't even keep track because the tree just blows up. That is the goal. I mean, when you get to that place where you can't start to count, you can't count all those apprentices and those disciples that are being made, then you are engaging in kingdom work. One of the ways that we've seen this happen is in, in several levels. And by the way, uh, if you're not a, a church plant or a new church work... This still can happen for you in the traditional church. I mean, number one, you need to be doing this with people who are getting baptized and making disciples. You need to teach these people that, hey, your job is to go and make disciples. I mean, right? Is that, is that not evangelism and discipleship? It's why I believe that, that we as a convention, we talk about it all the time, that we're, we're not growing and keeping up with, with our population. Well, the problem is because we're not training up disciples when those people come out of the baptism pools, what are we doing to train them up to be disciple makers? Yes, they might not be a church planner. Uh, they may not even be a, a leader in your church, but they need to be making disciples. All right, so making disciples. Leaders, your leaders, you need to be multiplying your leaders. Multiplying Sunday school teachers, multiplying whatever leader, whatever ministries you have in your church, you need to be multiplying those leaders. You need to be multiplying your pastorate. I mean, where are the preacher boys? 
Are, are you pouring into a, another young pastor? Are you, are you teaching them what it means to be a pastor? Are you teaching them how, how to study the Scripture? Are you teaching them how to prepare a message? Are you teaching them how to, how to deliver a sermon? I mean, I'm so thankful for Pastor Dennis who, who saw in me something I didn't see and gave me an opportunity to preach. I didn't even know I could. I didn't even know that was, I, I didn't even know that was a calling on my life. But because he gave me that opportunity, uh, he did the same thing for Pastor Mike. Uh, we came out of Hyde Park Baptist Church together. And so, uh, so preachers, you, you can be doing this. I, one of the things that we're all guilty of as, as pastors is we want to be the hero to rush in and save the day. Now, we don't want to say that out loud, but that tension is real, right? When somebody calls you up, hey, uh, my son, I think he's close to accepting Christ. Will you come over here and, and share, the, share the gospel with him? You know what you need to say? Uh, I think you can lead him to the Lord. Now, we want to get another notch in our belt so that we can say, hey, man, I led so-and-so to the Lord. And hey, I, I want to do that too. I had a friend of mine, a dear friend, uh, he calls me up, Robbie Gaddy, calls me up and said, my, my son is, is asking questions about accepting Christ. And uh, I want to, I, I, I need you to come over here and talk to him. I said, Robbie, man, I would love nothing more than to do this. I mean, I got my gun loaded, I'm ready. But I think it would be better if you do it. I can do that? Yes. Do you know the gospel? Share it with your son. Lead him to the Lord. You don't need my help. You got the Holy Spirit. So pastors, we need to be training up other pastors. And then, hey, churches, we need to open up our doors and allow people to come and apprentice and, and, and grow and become church planters out of our church. Why can't they do that in our traditional churches? Why can't you open up your ministry, give them a leadership responsibility, help them walk through this assessment process that the, the Baptist State Convention is putting together? It's an incredible assessment to find out where people are, uh, whether they're level one, level two, level three, and then you walk alongside of them and, and help train them up and get them where they need to go. And then you send them out. And hey, how about this? How about, how about challenge some of your people to go with them? We did this with our first when we when we started our, our second location. I remember the tension. Uh, we we were just two years old, and things were going well. We had two services. Man, the services were full. You know, we always have that. You don't have enough volunteers. You never have enough volunteers. I don't care how big. You get. I bet Elevation doesn't have enough volunteers. I, I bet Summit Church doesn't have enough. Vol I mean, all the big churches they don't have enough volunteers either, and so. Pastor Mike's like, well, in the next so many months, we're going, to, we're going to start another location. We're going to do it in Bladen Community College in Bladen County to reach the people of Bladen County. Because as he said, we might reach into Bladen County, but we're not going to get people to come here from Bladen County. And so we might be able to reach a few, but we can't reach Bladen County from, from Robinson County. And so we need to go over there and start a church. And we had people coming from that area. And so we challenged them to go. And all of our people did what? no, we can't, we can't afford to, to lose those volunteers. I mean, what are we going to do? I mean, we just started second services and, 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 and so what are we going to do? I mean, we love doing church together and we don't... Hey, kingdom work. And as a result, we have 300 and some people meeting in Elizabethtown on Sunday now because a band of about 15, 20, 30 people left our Lumberton location and went to Bladen and started another location that would not be reached had we have not been kingdom-minded. 
Uh, we got a young man on our uh, that's just come on with us in October. He's apprenticing as a church planter. And you know what we're going to do? We're, we're, we're letting him. Right now he's working with our youth. He's serving at one of our locations, at our Elizabethtown location in Bladen County. And, um, and when he's ready to go, we're going to ask some of our people, hey, won't you go with Nate? We're, I said, Nate, you have an opportunity to build relationships with people within our church. And, 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 and if they want to go with you when you start your work, whenever you're ready, we're going to bless that. We're going to send that out. Why? Because it's kingdom. Now, are we going to miss some, some children's leaders? Probably. And, they're, and they're probably going to be your best ones too, by the way. But are we kingdom-minded? Or are we just about our thing? And man, I get it. The tension's real. The tension is real. Because like we want to just keep it all for ourselves. We want to keep the best preachers, the best leaders, the best volunteers. But is that kingdom work? Jesus, I believe, said in, in, in Matthew 6.33, what? Seek first the kingdom. Guys, we got to stop being about just our church. And we got to be about His church. Amen. And we got to send people out and, and, and do what Billy Roy was talking about, commission them. And, 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 and bless it. Because here's what I found about God, and you have too, because I know you people, when you give to God, can you outgive Him? We talk about it with money all the time and tithing. Like, you need to tithe because if you, if you can't outgive God, well then why preachers and pastors and leaders do we hold back on our volunteers? Why do we, not, why do we feel like we can't let another preacher come into our church because they might like him better? And kick us out? Man, we can't act. That's not what Jesus said. That's not, that's not, the, that's not the model He gave us. And so whether you're a, a new church working here, whether you're uh, thinking about planning a church, or whether you're a traditional church, guys, we can all do this. We can all be a part of this process of kingdom building. All right? Amen. So this, this idea of kingdom building... It is a shift in how we count. It's a shift in how we count. Not just who's coming to my thing, but who are we sending out to do God's thing. And i got to ask this just simple scorecard question. You've written on your napkin, hopefully, my dream. If you haven't written your dream, man, please do it. Don't do it for me. Do it for yourself. Do it for the Lord. Dream again. And again, I have not thrown away this napkin in over five years. It still sits on my desk. I still look at it. I still pray over it. And then go back to your place. And who can you have that I see in your conversation? Who can you say, here, kid, drive? They're going to wreck that car. Don't, I mean, I just want to, if you don't think they're going to wreck it, they're going to wreck it. Okay. I could tell you a few stories. If you have time afterwards, I'll be glad to. And then show them this. Hey, I'll do it. You watch. I do it. You help me. Now you do it. I'm going to help you. Now you do it. I'm going to stand back and you watch. And then I want you to invite somebody else to do it. And then guess what? We're going to celebrate that. We're going to commission you. We're going to lay hands on you because we believe in you. And then the last question I have for you, a simple scorecard, just like what Donnie said. Not how many people are coming to your church. Not how many people are coming to your thing. I want to ask you this question. Number one. How many apprentices do I have? Jesus had 12. I don't think, I mean, Jesus had 12. How many do you have? If you don't have any, please go away from here saying, Lord, give me one. Guys, you hear me there? 
If you don't have enemy, any, not an enemy, if you don't have any, man, please leave this place. God, give me one. Give me one person I can pour my life into. If you have one, say, Lord, give me two. How many apprentices do I have? How many preacher boys do I have? The question is, is how many people am I investing in? And then the last question that I have is, how much of our budget? <laughs> you talked about tithing. I'm going there, brother. <laughs> how much of our budget is going to multiplication? How much of our budget is going to multiplication? And I want you to write that number down. Like, be honest with yourself. How much of our budget is going to multiplying efforts in the kingdom of God? That's just not church planning. It's multiplying efforts. And be real with yourself. Ask the Lord, does this honor you? I'm going to pray for us. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. God, I pray that none of us have, have spoken out of turn. I pray, God, for the dreams to come alive in this place, God. It starts when we change the way we think, God. Matthew 6, seek the kingdom. Above all else, seek the kingdom. God, give us dreams of not our works, but your work, Father. God, I pray over man, every man, woman, and child in here, I pray, God, just in this moment, that they would picture the person that they need to have an I see in you conversation with. I want you to picture that person. And I want you to pray that when you have that conversation, that they receive it. Father, I pray for those men. I pray for those women. I pray for those uh, youth, God, that they're going to have conversations with. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we can help them develop an apprenticeship system. And guys, I just want to say it one more time. If you need help with that, we have paper. We can walk you through it, all that stuff. Father, that we would not lay hands just to bless ourselves, but we would lay hands to bless others. And that, God, that you would change the way that we count, that our fruit would grow on other people's trees and not just our own. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.